No story better describes today's guest to the listener than how we became friends. We met in a lift at uni. She invited me to her birthday party that night, an intimate all-girl affair in the local pub, before we enthusiastically went about uni, spreading the nicknames Fithain and Fitbells to anyone that would listen. She is the most approachable person I've ever met, relentlessly impulsive, remarkably entertaining, and eight years later she's still rightfully saved in my phone as Fitbells. Thank you for being my extraordinary ordinary guest today. Daisy. So this episode <laughs> is a little different to previous episodes. Uh, in all the three previous episodes I've had, and I've met and had a relationship with the fathers of all my guests prior to their passing away. As a result, I knew the guests both before and after. In your case, you lost your father prior to us getting to know each other. So rather than, uh, I thought rather than asking all of your friends who knew you at the time or interviewing off the record in order to gain a little more knowledge, I thought it could be more natural and organic if I just go into it as blind as, as any listener. So I'm going to ask all these naive questions <laughs> and the listener will find out as, as I find out. So either consciously or unconsciously, this is not something that we've delved into a great deal in the past. So I'm excited to have this opportunity today. So, Bells, firstly, we better say that we can, we're doing this in your house. Yeah. House, well, welcome, Makasa. Yeah, exactly, which is a gorgeous one in Brixton. Uh, just before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. We're feeling Christmassy. I'm feeling very Christmassy, yes. almost too festive. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say later on that you're probably the example of a person who'd be incredibly overexcited about Christmas. You're yeah. overexcited about, like, today's sunny. <laughs> yeah. Today's Christmas, you, uh, all, to the extent you're probably unbearable on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not that fun for you, me. Yeah, I reckon you're up at 4am, yeah, speeding you, down the stairs, waking up the kids. Yeah, you, you'd think it, it gets gets less intense as you get older, no. No, you, <laughs> you will never get less intense. <laughs> you're exactly as intense as you should be, you don't have a change. But now, um, being um, one of two boys, my knowledge of the special bond a father has with his daughter is only ever one I've witnessed from the outside. It's only ever I've, I've seen looking in. And always sort of been jealous of it, but I'm, I'm a boy, that's all right. But maybe I'll have it one day with my daughter, who knows. Can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with him? So, my dad was my best friend. He, oh, it, it, he was my absolute hero. And, you know, he was a... He, your parents are meant to be role models for you anyway. But when I say that he was my, my role model, I mean, my mum is the most amazing woman and more and more as I've got older I've realised I'm, I'm really quite like her <laughs> for better for worse sorry mum um, but you know, my, my dad my dad was my absolute hero he was an absolute giant in my eyes and I feel like I learnt I learnt so much through him and he took me on so many adventures with him mm. so that you know and lots of people say that my, you know, if you want to imagine my dad, is you never got to meet him. Mm. Just look at me, but male version and 30, 30 years older. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a very special bond, and and actually, it's something that I've, I think, more and more I've realised. Yes, I've grieved, lost lost my dad, but it's also a best friend, and it's sort of coming to terms with both those dynamics. Yeah, even before. I knew that you lost your dad. I sort of, you're so, someone who's so clearly understanding men work, how men work. Like you, <laughs> a huge amount of your friends are obviously men. Yeah. And I, I've always imagined that that you must have learnt that over time. Obviously, you've got a brother, but also 
I imagine God mm. must as someone who's close to your dad. Like, yeah. The way that you interact with men is unlike how a lot of women interact with men that I know, at least. You yeah. completely get them, you know? It was, it was, it was uh, the most, um, like, open, enthusiastic, larger-than-life character. Mm. And I think that... Um, I think it just made you know, my my understanding of how I interact with people was very much like that. And yeah. I hope I'd agree as open and approachable. For sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I, I can't imagine him as a result of seeing you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you're, you're the, the eldest of three. Yeah. And you're a younger brother, younger sister. And they're sort of similar. There's this, like, energy and approachability mm. and, like, big personalities, which all of you share, which I can imagine... It's got to be dad. Yeah, it's 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 really lovely actually. Like, um, I think uh, he's there's there's such a I don't know a a, a bond between us all. So I, I, I hope Millie won't mind. So we used to fight like cats and dogs yeah. when we were younger, and I mean, my brother was a bit too reserved. He was just trying to run around, give me a nipple crap every so often. But you know, we that that stream and strength and and sort of larger than life personality runs through all of us. And Charlie is such a um, carbon copy of Dad, even without him being there. But I think you know, it's, it's both my mum and my dad who've just been such amazing role models. And it's funny how that beautiful bond of a family grows over time, and, and when something like this happens. You know, when you do lose a family member, that um, that tight knit element to you just like it's like glue. Yeah. Um, and I think what's lovely is that it's both been that sort of really loving, like bountiful, um, and it's quite hard to describe. It's kind of like the the carefree joy that you can have all as a family, but also you know when you do go somewhere that it. it you know, you come together as a, yeah. you know, we call ourselves the Bear Cub. The Bear Cub? <laughs> the Bear Club. Bear Cub, yeah. yeah I actually, uh, for Christmas, uh, I'm giving myself away now. As, as we'll to, put us out after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put us out after Christmas. Yeah. Um, I decided to write my mum a poem. I started writing poetry. Okay, Because we just got a new house and I thought, what can I make that's priceless? A poem. And you've <laughs> your own poetry <laughs> as priceless. Yeah. Yeah, I'm honest. Yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah. thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's called Aubert, dedicated to the matriarch of the Bear Club. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I know you can't cry because... That, that's going to be a tearjerker. It's going to be a tearjerker. There are going to be flowers of tears Christmas Day. <laughs> are you going to read it? Mm, I don't know what's, whether yeah. that's awkward. Because they have to applaud at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. stand up and be like, <laughs> you must applaud my priceless poem. Okay. I can say it's priceless, but... Yeah. I'm pausing for an amount of time for an, an applaud and standing ovation now. Yeah. Yeah, sure, I can see that. Have you written it? Is it finished? Yeah. Oh, man. I'll show you after. I know, I can see it after. <laughs> I want to say deliver it now, but I'm no, way, no, way no. too personal. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I want to ask you, actually, later on about, about that bond that you have, not only with your brother and sister, but with your mum, but we'll get into it in a second. Mm. How, old, how old were you when he passed away? So I was... Um, well, no, I was 18. It yeah. was just before my 19th birthday, so our first year at Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. And I remember it was... So he passed away 10 days before we started Newcastle. Yeah. I got back from travelling um, earlier that year, about 
June, I think it was. And it, it, to say, um, you know, I have, you know, you know me, I'm such a positive person <laughs> as, as it is. And the weirdest thing is, so I went traveling, I went away whilst, whilst dad was sick. Um, and you were sick when you left. Yeah. When, and it was a big debate between me and my mum saying, sh- sh- you know, should I go? Is this, you know, what, what kind of situation are we mm-hmm. dealing with? And, and I think she, her view, and, and this goes back to again how, uh, and I really can't stress enough how, what an amazing, um, you know, mother, role model she is, be for us all. Mm. I mean, because she basically was like, you know, we are going to either live with cancer or we're going to die with cancer. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to go around acting as they would die. You carry on with your life. As it would be if Daddy was absolutely fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. and because of that, we well, yeah, we had a discussion. She said, "You must go. You know, your dad will want you to go." Yeah. Um. So I went. Had a way amazing time. Like mm. the best time. Yeah. Um. I think I met you I there. Think you <laughs> um. It was. It was. It was a brilliant, brilliant few months. And then when I come back, the joy of. Yeah, chatting to my dad, telling him all the stories. Well, a ninety percent of the stories. That's been generous. Thirty percent of the stories. Yeah. Um, from from my trials, it was, you know, seeing that joy in his face really, really did make it all made like made, made the right decision. And to be honest, in my heart of hearts, I really didn't think. I knew it was bad. The like his his cancer, and because it was a rare form of a rare form of cancer. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't ever imagine him dying yeah, yeah. because he was, you know, that's larger than life, Pom Viverta. Mm. I, ju- I just physically couldn't imagine it. And I remember sitting at the table with my brother and sister saying, you yeah, he's, you know, he, he will not, he, he's not going to pass away. Yeah, yeah. So obviously when, when something like that happens and it's you kind of sort of go through, go through the motions of you can't you can't quite imagine it's kind of sort of shocking yeah and and that's why i think you know started started university 10 days after i still i mean my brother started um I was Margaret, gonna say, Margaret, yeah. how old so how old were your brother and sister so charlie was 12 yeah he's amazing what you'll see him in it in and out and my sister was um Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. No, yeah. no. Sorry, sixteen. Sorry, Millie. So, all, all quite young, and and me and Millie, Charlie, Charlie had to start school, senior senior school, oh a week after. Or three. I can't remember. If it was three days or a week. And Millie's doing exams. Yeah, Millie was doing levels. her AS yeah, yeah, levels. Yeah. Like. There's never a good time for it to happen, but this is not. Good. <laughs> this this never is not a good time for anything. No, and. And I remember that one of the most beautiful dreams, you know how they say, um, loved ones come to you in your dreams. Mm. And this this was really special for me. So um, if if you can remember that first birthday we had, yeah. <laughs> where I met you in the lift and watched you down. Exactly. So that, that just before my birthday, I had a dream that, <laughs> it's quite niche, that dad had come and taken me out for some champagne at Chase Bar. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where. Which is basically, for those that don't know, 
kind of a dive bar in Newcastle with <laughs> yeah. cheap travels. Dealing with a champagne booze. Yes, they don't, though. It's not cheap for a second. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we sat outside, you know, in that smoking area with the tall, tall tables just outside that big yeah, uh, yeah. window. We sat there and just had, like, the most amazing conversation, putting the world to rights. Mm. Spoke about so many different things. And then I woke up and I was like, God, just that I felt amazing. That was, that was something that stayed very special to me. How, when was that dream? Early on, so, wait, 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 your birthday's what, November? November, yes. Okay, it was so like you've been at uni for... Two months, yeah. yeah. And then I remember just waking up and, oh, it was just, like, it was just before um, we had that lock-in at the... Yeah, <laughs> what was that pub I don't called? know what that pub was called. We were thinking Chase Bar's a dive bar, the pub yeah. we went to for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I went back after that day. No, actually, no, I went back with you. You went on, yeah. <laughs> God, okay, so you were about to get to uni, that is a, that is a tricky time to do it for sure and I remember so this happened you're 12 year old and a 16 year old brother and sister and you're the eldest what I want to know is whether or not that affected well obviously maybe because you're away you didn't seem as much but did that affect your grieving process in that you were the eldest one you, did you feel you had to play older brother and sister you had to be strong yeah because you know they're going to look up to you yeah or could you sort of go oh, I'm still one of the kids Mum, mum's the one that we're going to look up to so uh, I really took that. I think this also goes back to saying you, um, you know, mum, mum and dad, the most amazing relationship. Like yeah. literally, the the amount of love between them. And so, mum, you know, lost her a life partner, mm. a life like a soulmate. And and as the oldest, like to, to answer really, sh- like shortly to to answer the question, like I really just thought I needed to step up like mm. you know be the older sister be strong for everyone yeah. and I really took it on my shoulders like um and you know it was all of us were so strong but you know I've I always found it impossible to cry in front of Millie Charlie or mum really yeah I, I, I just there were perhaps a couple of times but and I remember, I remember, I think it was Poppy Fish who said to me, you must cry, or not you must cry, <laughs> she's not sadistic. Cry? <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> no, she was like, you must, you know, all of you walking around being strong, you know, mm. and there a couple, then more and more times when, you know, and this, we're talking quite a few years on when Millie and Charlie saw me upset and I let myself be comforted it almost brought us even closer together yeah. because you know I and also it, it didn't because I was so focused on being strong um, and not going through the motions but so almost displacing my um, emotions onto everyone else yeah. it was so much it was far easier to focus about my mum, focus about my sister, right. focus about my brother, yeah. then actually look at me. How long did that take? How long was it until you let mm. your guard down or, or start worrying about yourself more? I would say it's all the way through university. Yeah. And probably, yeah, even to a couple of years after. Yeah, Tom's also been a huge influence or help and support for me mm. to like, actually recognise, like, not that I can't have emotions, but 
not that I'm not good at having emotions, but I'm not very good at processing them. I'm very good at you know, absorbing all the positive emotions and spitting them out, throwing mm. them into everyone everyone else's um, arena, but like really challenging myself in the negative emotions as I'm not as good as process, processing them. I think it's because, like, I think quite logically in my head, I remember saying to a couple of people after the said, well, crying's not going to bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. Why, you know, what, what's the point? Right. And I it's actually, so English, isn't it? It's so English. Cries <laughs> don't bring him back, so just never cry, never yeah. show emotion, get on with life. Get on with life. Yeah, yeah. Stiff off and clip. Yeah. But actually, you know, you do, and I think all of us have actually gone through that process now. Mm. So yeah, the, when I have done those, call up my sister or my brother. I came back from I'm not gonna not gonna say which client it was, but I came back from a client, and um, I was in tears, and I was made to feel so patronised, and and I was absolutely tears. My brother, who's the estate agent who we found the house through. Yeah, oh really? Yeah, he came over and um, came pick me up, and he and I just burst into tears, mm. and actually I was like, he, he was like. You never cry. Like, yeah. What's wrong? I feel awkward. I don't want to say. Please yeah. don't cry. But it was really sweet. And actually having my little brother counting me. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. I was going to talk about Tom later on, but we'll do it now. So Tom, for those who don't know, is your long-term boyfriend now. You guys went you got together towards the end of uni, was it? Uh, uh, yeah, third year of uni. Okay, so it's been... Six years. Six years. All right. Now, Tom, it's, it's a funny thing that's happened in this podcast now, which is you and Georgie, Georgie and I did our first episode with, both got incredibly wonderful boyfriends. George and Bill <laughs> just got engaged, which is fantastic. Tom's also just outrageously kind and wonderful and clearly supportive and yeah. just a dream. You know, I mean, He didn't know a lot of us when he, you guys met, he wasn't part of a little circle, whatever it is. Straight away, so loved by everyone immediately. I think people prefer to see him while sure. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a bonus. You're yeah. really a bonus. But um, when you've been through something like this before, hooking up with a guy and getting a mm. boyfriend like that, how long does it take for you to talk about it? How long does it take for you to be vulnerable and open up about it? Because I imagine it's it's a, a side of you that you probably don't share that openly to start with, and you don't want to yeah you don't want to cry on a date. I guess you know. Yeah. Like, how long is it until you trusted someone enough, or you felt like you could cry in front of him, be open with him? So funny enough. He, and and you would think it was it would be like that for him, because he has been he is just the most extraordinarily wonderful person. Mm. I thought I could talk to him straight away. Yeah. And actually, I remember. I remember he, I mean he is possibly one of the only people by my family who gets to see me cry, and I th- I think it's because he's just. I don't know, he's, he's, what I love, he's the most kind-natured person uh, and also would, like, ch- challenge my thinking as well and stuff. Mm. So, you he, he, he's also very, like, approach, approach was the wrong word, is he's very good at understanding me. Yeah. Um, and understanding where I'm coming from, understanding my emotions, and, and actually saying, hey, Buzz, it's absolutely fine to cry. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't, and a bit oh sorry highly embarrassing yeah, you know yeah. that English trait can we ask him for us again he'd be like 
No, you. It's so fine to cry. You should not be embarrassed about yeah, yeah. your emotion. So for him, it was so open and so there from the beginning. Because I think also when you get come to meet my family, whilst you know, I think you alluded to it at the beginning. You was you know we have lost dad. Everyone who knows me and my family knows that you can almost see him in the yeah, yeah. in the black space in between. For sure, it's funny. You know, everyone speaks about how losing a parent brings your family so close together. And yeah. I think people almost assume that to be the case. And I always thought, yet, yeah, on the one hand, I see how that would totally happen. Mm. On the other hand, particularly when you guys, all three of you are young, gr- grieving, you're all going to grieve in a separate way, right? Yeah. And you're all going to go through it. At, I imagine there's different stages, you're all going through it at different paces. And yeah. For example, you took a long time to be able to open up to them or, or be yeah. vulnerable with them. How... Were you close immediately? Were there days when you clashed, when you got frustrated with each other, when, you know, you're all this... Ho- I imagine it can feel lonely going through a grieving process like that, because at the end of the day, you're at uni by yourself with friends, sure, but you're not with your family every day. So you're all on your separate journeys with it. Yeah. Were, were you calling each other up and immediately pulling in closer and being, you know, supporting mum? Or does it take time? Are, are there tough moments as a family? Yeah. I think that's that's a really good question. I think um, I'm trying to think back to how it is because it, you know, in my in my memory, that's how it's always been. But actually, thinking about that, you know, everyone, there is some solitude to go through it because sure. you have to look at your own process and look at your own, you know, what dad meant to you or you know what your son meant to you. Mm-hmm. And I think we've. We've always been there for each other because we've got such a sense of family and such a sense of we should we need to club together and support this and that has actually come from mum. Yeah. Um, and also I can remember coming back, my da- um, driving my dad back home and he, because Millie, Millie, Millie and I did fight, fight quite. We it became being two years apart. I think it makes that sort of sort of slight sister competitiveness. Yeah, yeah. And Dad said to me, she, he was like, "You must, you must help Mum. You must also look after your sister and brother." And so I think we've we've grown. And the lovely thing is, we've grown as a family. Mm. Like, and I look around, and I've got the most wonderful siblings, but also people around me, and wonderful Mum. And everyone has had their own journey. I don't know whether, does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so, I think so. <laughs> was it, so you said that being uh, sad in front of your mum and your brother and sister was difficult at the start. Was there, were there friends that you were immediately like that with? You know, who, when the day it happened, who mm. do you call? Who was the person that like, I can't unload on my family, but I'm going to yeah. unload onto you? Or did you not unload? Did you keep it in for, for a long time? So, I remember, so... The funny thing is, so I had um, Louise at Eaton. So I remember, I on that day I'd gone to see Dad in hospital, um, and he wasn't he wasn't doing too good, but he was meant to be living the rest of the days um, out at home mm-hmm. with us. I was so I was the last person t- to leave. Uh, remember, I just couldn't get home, and so I went to Louise at Eaton's house. And I did then unload um, because I just I, I wanted to be able to have that freedom to just yeah 
uh, exhume all the all the emotion that I had in me. Um, then when I left, she called Alex Lanyon, well, the lovely Alex Barrow now, mm-hmm. and um, they both came over for dinner. I, well, they came over to my house after, and they were both there. And then I remember I called Poppy. Yeah. So I called Poppy, and she was like, oh, I don't really sure, but I, I found it. Funnily enough, when it, after it happened again, I was so focused on you know being strong and you know, getting on with stuff that I didn't really mm. go through that process of just you know completely unloading. Yeah. I lived with Poppy and Zoe at uni, as you know, we had a lovely little house in the hamsters, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and they they were amazingly supportive, but they were only could be supportive, and and also the rest of you guys, like the, I had the most amazing friends, but it's almost like you, I knew how much you were there for me, that you didn't need to do more because I wasn't ready yet to really explore how how sad I felt yeah. or the loss. Yeah, from my point of view, looking in, I remember knowing that this had happened to you. And knowing that it happened recently, I don't know exactly when. Yeah. And always feeling like you, yeah, not, I didn't ever think this is a girl that, that is acting like she's just lost a parent. Yeah. You were always upbeat and high energy and you're always the same in that, <laughs> yeah. in that respect. But also I know that that is a, I felt similar way in that you think people look at you, look at you as you're the positive Bells is the positive, happy, high energy person. You know, when I want to have a good time, I ring bells. Yeah. And I'm sure that you might buy into that yourself. Like, oh god, no, I have to be the high energy, fun person. Yeah. I can't let that down because people call me looking for a good time. Yeah. I can't be crying and want to have a night in, curled up under the duvet, being miserable. You know, because that's not who I am. Yeah. So that can actually be a, a hindrance, I think, the person that you think you are in other people's eyes. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you never seemed down. I don't live with you. I think if you live with a person, you seem yeah. more. The downtime, Missy. Yeah. But yeah, I, I never thought, oh, I should. And I guess also in the first year, you know, someone you're not putting to one side and just talk about the dad. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're not there. You're just having. And then the other first year of uni fun. And also because it was like first year uni, you remember what what it was like. Like there's no, and I remember that being in like another troubled bar, um, and thinking, oh, God, I feel really sad about that, but. When is there a good time to turn yeah. around to your mate? No matter how amazing they are and you are, you know, when's a good time to be like, I feel really shit right now. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting one because yes, potentially it could have been a bit of injury, and this is why probably I've I only really really started processing things after uni, mm. but. Well, at the same time, I also knew I had the most caring, wonderful friends, and them just being there yeah. also was a huge help and support. True. But that's an interesting point. That you say it's it's difficult to be the person to say, I'm feeling miserable, can we talk about it? Yeah. Are you saying in that way that really it's, as us, your friends, we should, we, you know, you can't say now, theoretically, you should be looking to say... How, you know, Albie talked a lot about saying how are you feeling today. You know, how are you doing is a, yeah. is a throwaway question. Everyone says good. How are you doing today makes it more relevant to how are you doing this moment and, and this particular day. Yeah. So should friends be more active in beginning? You know, cause it, never, it never comes up in conversation. You know, yeah. you're out having a drink in a club and say how are you feeling about your dad. You know, so yeah. should friends be more active if their friends going through this in having that conversation? In, 
I, 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 I'd agree with Albie because I remember you know, when when his when his father died, you know, that just checking in mm. constantly was, and also like again helped me, you know. But I think I think it is helpful to always to keep checking in and asking how are you doing today. I mean, I'm not saying that people weren't, but again, it's a sort of our uni life is not conducive to that. There's not really many times when you aren't out or doing something. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it is it is helpful doing that, and I think that constant because after you go through that original process of um, you know, funeral and stuff like that, what I've always said to people, you know, the real support that you need is after that because yeah. you're on such a forward drive sure. onto the next, onto the next, onto the next you need that support that check in after that period yeah. when it all dies down and you suddenly think everyone goes back to their way their life is but mine doesn't mm. um, I think that's something that everyone on this podcast has said yeah. after about six months the first six months, all the attention is yeah. on I remember I think Hugo said he almost enjoyed the first six months felt all joy. Someone said, it's almost like a party yeah. All the family and friends like come party. over, there's dinner, you're sort of... Yeah. And after six months, for whatever reason, and I think it happens with a lot of things, I think if your best friend goes through a breakup, everyone is helping them out for the first few months, yeah. and then people just sort of assume that you, you, they're okay, or you know, yeah. some, something else comes up. So I remember everyone has said, after six months, that is when you should be on it. That is when you should be checking in, because yeah. they're not the, the centre of attention anymore, you know. But it's that it's, Six months is such a freakishly short amount of time, yeah. but then it, something else has happened. Yeah. But it's funny that you mentioned that, everyone. And actually, funny, do, do people, you say you've said that to a lot of people, do, have people who have lost parents since called you? People wanting to ask your advice because you've lived through it? So, I I think a, a, couple, a couple have, but mm. it's more sort of being, pro, I've been quite proactive with saying, you, I, I am here, I'm yeah. always there to talk to. Um, but... But then again, it's, it's funny, like, just because you've had it happen to you doesn't mean you're an expert in anyone else's grief Absolutely. because it was all so unique mm. and the relationships are unique and the people are unique. And I think what it, the one most helpful comment, and I remember my mum said it to me after, after it happened and I, was in, I was, remember I was in the kitchen and when she said it, I thought, what a depressing thing to say to me. <laughs> I was like, that is so mean. Yeah. And she said, you'll never get over this. Yeah. And for someone who was like, as positive and optimistic as me, I thought, God, that's depressing. And I only really realised what that meant. You know, a couple of years after, when I was like, actually, yes, you'll never get over it, but it becomes a part of you and becomes a better part of you. Yeah. And that and that and that part of you becomes a light, shining light for the rest of your life, for which they stay with you, yeah. um, and can be part of all your memories going forward as well as the past. I think that would be actually a scarier thought to think that you can get over it. You know, yeah, you're clearly not close to a parent. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you're like, I'm, I'm cool. They're not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, cool. I'm totally fine that they're not here. Then let's have some serious questions. I think, yeah, I'm sure you just learn to live with it and. Everyone yeah. talks about. Have you ever had therapy since it or not? I didn't no, think 
No, I haven't. But then I know a lot of people speak about finding forms of therapy in everyday things. So I know a lot of people said on this podcast that sharing stories about your dad. Yeah. It's always positive. You know, it's all of them said we, we tell a story and it's never sad at the end. It's always ends with laughter. I don't know if that's true for you. Yeah. But is that has that been the form of therapy? Have you found other avenues to, uh, yeah, sort of therapeutic yeah. avenues that aren't necessarily talking in a room with, with a therapist? No, I think definitely telling stories about that because yeah. there are such a, such a plethora of stories for to sure. tell. For sure. um, from sort of walking outside of mum's prize pudding that she'd been flaming out for hours and instead of walking to the dinner table just going straight over into the lavender bush and then our dog just jumped on top of it it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was brilliant harebrained disaster after after that um but no i think talking about him like, you know speaking like it's you know he's still there like so, lots of people when they talk to me they all have said you you can so picture and i think you even said this you can so picture the person who he was yeah because of the stories, the way, you know, who we are. And I think that's, that is my therapy. Mm. And also, I don't know, I do spend some time to think to myself yeah. and have some time to think because I I was notoriously bad at doing that and I just rush on to the next thing, next thing, next thing. Yeah. And actually having some time and space to process stuff mm. is really helpful. What you've got a really closely knit group of friends, um, and when your dad passed, you were eighteen, right? So, what were they? What were they like at that time? You know, was were the people you were closest to the ones who were particularly good? Did people come out of the woodwork you'd not spoken to in a few years who turned to be fantastic? Were there random members of family you didn't even like who suddenly became fantastic pillars of support? You know, what were yeah. their? How did they react to it? That's a really good question. I think you know. The family members, it, it has brought my wider family all closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's amazing because like, you know, we have we're big cousins and everyone together and it's and it's really, really lovely and supportive. Um, in terms of friends, so I've it, it's funny when when we're that age and I think I was one of the one of the first people to lose a parent they were so supportive and so wonderful but sometimes I, th- I think I was potentially sort of nervous because you know how do how do you you know, de- like help deal with something like that but because they're so kind and supportive and carried on being the people who they are mm. and weren't weird and like I know this sounds weird but weren't weird about it you know mm. And I mean that in the nicest possible way that it just you know, carried on and because it made me feel like, like my life could go on mm. as it as it had done. For sure. I guess there's a lot must be about finding a balance between that, you know? Yeah. Acting normal, let's still go and have a drink or whatever at uni, but also being able to switch it and yeah. let's talk about this. Later. It's such a hard it's it must be so hard for the friends. Um I mean I've when we've had we've had other friends who've, who've parents have died um, later on in life. We are a bit more mature and you and you can more incorporate the, that balance. Yeah. But you get that through experience, and I think 
I don't know. I think it's just having an understanding of both sides mm. that you need the the normality, but also just checking in and saying, mm. "How are you? How are you doing today?" As Alfie said, you know, ask, asking them about stories. Yeah. Did anyone write to you? I think a few people have said that letters, or I think you know, there, were, there would be a book at the funeral where people would sign stories and stuff. And a lot of people have said that. Be able to read things. For me, if somebody dies, and I would think immediately, oh, I bet send a text. And a text is great, but you'd have received yeah. 100 texts, and everyone's saying, yeah. oh, you know, thinking of you, and if you have an email, I'm right here, yeah. which is fine, but also throw it away. You know? Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I'm not going to call you, you know? Um, but I've said letters or things that are, you can read and photos, whatever, look back on in years to come have been particularly helpful. Yeah, and I and this is I, rare for eighteen-year-olds to write letters to each other. But yeah, that's that's a problem. I I wish I'd had more letters. Yeah, I got a lot of texts. Which I haven't got now. Yeah. Um, but no, I wish I had like got more letters mm. or time. You know, as you say, times for stuff. I got letters from my godparents. I really tre- tre- treasured them, mm. but they, yeah. It's, it's funny that I don't think you'd get many to. No, I didn't even write thank you letters at that stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I want to talk about Tom again. <laughs> this will become mostly about Tom. Um, so I thought we would just end up ch- talking about the Tom, not even about your dad, we'll just talk about things that he's got <laughs> yeah. up to. We better not divert into that. Um, so, yeah, what I've, what I've always wanted, what I always enjoyed ending these sort of podcasts with is, is actually kind of the same question which would be what one piece of advice would you give to someone who has just lost a parent someone who yeah. has been in your shoes what advice do you give them I would say you'll never get over this yeah. um, but there will be um, some magical thing that becomes a part of you that will you understand in years to come how it has supported you and how you can almost see a positive light if you like at the mm. end of the tunnel I'd say speak up if I say t- friends are always there wish like willing you to talk about it yeah. but they sometimes don't know exactly how or when's a good time mm. the onus not should always be on you, but you know your friends, and I should have said this more, and actually just say, yes, I am feeling shit. Yeah. Um, cry. Cry, don't be so logical. I, I, I think you process things a lot quicker. And, and yeah, just have a... Focus, you've got to focus on yourself as well as everyone else around you, mm-hmm. because otherwise... You, know, you you don't you don't do it do yourself justice for it. So do you this might be unfair, really, but do you regret not opening up more at the time, not crying more at the time? Oh. If heaven forbid, forbid you were to go back to that yeah. day and do it again. I've I've always I've always said you can never have regrets because yeah. that's the person who you know, those choices you make make the person who you are. Yeah. So I think no, but I think if if 
God forbid I was to lose a family member now, I would say you have to talk about it more openly mm. or um, speak up. And because, because also at the end of the day, you people want to talk to you and people want to support you. Yeah. But if you don't actually say when you're feeling shit or not, they don't know how to do that balancing act of saying, how are you doing today? Yeah. Or, come on, let's just go off and do do what we usually do. Yeah. That was going to be my last question. It was going to be, what advice would you give to a friend or to someone whose friend has just lost a parent? You know, what, what advice would you give to someone who's in the situation that your best friend was the day that your parent died? Yeah. And what I guess you sort of touched on it, which is just be active and be yeah. starting that conversation and come up with... With yeah. ideas of things to do. It's, exactly, you just come up with things to do. And, you know, be active and keep on checking in. Yeah. And, and allow them, find, try and create spaces where they can open up. Mm. I'd say. That's lovely. <laughs> well, I just end with saying one last thing. I think the fact we're recording this time of year, Christmas, Sorry. We're recording this the week on oh, I'm bloody stroke. We're recording this the week before Christmas. Which the time of year that I know is, is obviously uh, so much about family that I imagine mm. it's probably a tricky time a, a, a tricky time of year for anyone who's lost a parent. So I just wanted to say a particular thank you for being such an incredible, positive and inspiring person and such a lovely friend to me and for sharing your story particularly at this time of year, because I know it's never easy to <laughs> make in a heart shape. I know it's never, <laughs> it's never an easy thing to talk about. And I just wanted to say thank you for being you, and oh. thank you for being my extraordinary ordinary guest. Oh, hey. That's not at all. Let's have a cuddle. Thank you for doing it.